Hey there, fight fans. Welcome to the SB Nation MMA post-fight show for UFC 238. Sahudo versus Marais, Shevchenko versus I, and Ferguson versus Donald the Cowboy Cerrone. I'm your host as always, Flying Brian J, and joining me as usual are the guys from the sixth round post-fight show, Mr. Positivity, Eddie Mercado, and Major Zane Simon. Zane. Yeah. This is spoilers, so the people that get mad about that, you might want to click off, but goodbye, flyweight division? I mean, I don't see any reason in hell that Henry Cejudo would drop back down to 125 pounds. I guess the only reason to do it would be that now he's got the security of being bantamweight champ, so that even if he loses a 125-pound flyweight title fight, he's still got a belt around his waist. But, like... There's no point. There's nothing like you're fighting for a division that they're just killing off. It's yeah, I, I would I would vacate that title tomorrow if I were him and let the UFC prove they're gonna keep it around. Honestly. Like call their bluff. Yeah. Did you like here? You know, you wanna you wanna flyweight division, crown yourself a new champ. I got a belt I I already want, whatever. If you don't, then too bad. Like it, it's just that's that would be G. That would be extremely gangster of him, and like yeah. he would, he would instantly be like all his cringiness excused. Yeah, if he did that. But since he is so cringy, he wants to be the guy walking around with two belts and a gold medal, and like that would go for it. Like let him. Yeah. He the did. reality is, in his post-fight interview, he's calling out washed-up bantamweights and talking about moving to featherweight. He's mm-hmm. done making that cut to 125. It's mm-hmm. not happening. And uh, I don't blame him, but he will rock that belt, I suppose, as long as it takes for the UFC to strip him of it. And then they'll be like, okay, you, the flyweight division's done now. Well, I don't yeah. think they're going to strip- we forgot about it. I don't think they're going to strip him of it. Zane, you keep a running total on how many fighters are in the UFC, right? How many fighters yep. are currently at, at flyweight? 13? Yeah. Uh, no, it's like seven. Um, let's see. What's the actual total right now? Men's flyweight, nine. Nine fighters are currently in the UFC's flyweight division. So not even enough to have a top ten. I, I yeah. think it's gone. He's just going to... All but all but three of them are booked. And I expect them to announce Kai Kara France and Jordan Espinoza for like an upcoming... Uh, Australia card probably in the next couple months, and every every one of those fights booked, the loser is probably getting cut the moment they lose it. Yep, Zane. So you're Mister Positivity, as I've dubbed you. Are you sad mm-hmm. to see the flyweight division go? I, I'm Mister Positivity. No, 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 I mean, I, oh, oh shit, no, Eddie's Mister Positivity. But yeah, are you are you sad to see it go? Yeah, I mean, these are good athletes. They're fighters who've earned a place and who are clearly talented and i think the flyweight division is one of the most athletic divisions i like watching it you know the henry cejudo who's a natural flyweight just went and won the bantamweight title like these dudes are killers and they should be like it should it shouldn't be a question if you have fighters you should be willing to put on fights in their division but at the same time fans don't give a shit so the UFC is going to do what they're going to do with that. Like, if, if nobody cares, then how much can you really blame them for just responding to the market there? Eddie, what's your take on it? I mean, is the market the way it is because of shoddy promotion? 
did they do Maybe. their very best? Did they give it the old college try to to launch to promote flyweights? Because they had really the very it. best in Demetrius Johnson, and they what the fuck did they really do to promote him outside of putting him in a piece Metro PCS commercial? Yeah, I mean they don't really do any give anything the old college try if it doesn't sell itself. That's kind of the UFC way. Yeah. You you show us you get something you you produce something and then we'll give you more and more to work with. So I mean, it's just like there are literally ton like you 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 gauge the fan reaction out there and people just do not care. You know that's the sad truth. As the hardcores. Like, I'm going to miss the fucking scrambles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, flyweight yeah. scrambles for me were, was the most fun thing about the division. Oh, yeah. Like, no one can hold down anybody. It's just a, a mad dash. Everyone's just going bananas. And that was fun to watch. And I'm, I'm going to miss that. Well, mm-hmm. it's mixed martial arts, so I like a mix of everything. A heavyweight, you have, if it goes to a decision, like five strikes thrown per minute and like heavy breathing and then down there at flyweight you got 15 minutes of non-stop like 300 strikes thrown a piece in a 15 minute fight i'm definitely going to miss that but eddie in the post-fight interviews they already mentioned that henry called out uh uriah faber and dominic cruz and and cody garbrandt which like he said they're washed up kind of fighters i mean uriah faber has already retired once but he also said that he wants freaking paid he wants them heavyweight check hues eddie do you think that he's going to get that heavyweight money no like like not against those guys he has to go fight heavyweights <laughs> that's the reality of it go fight you have to fight conor mcgregor which is i mean ah oh man i couldn't even fathom couldn't even fathom what the fuck that would look like or like i don't i nah no I don't see why. Like the accolades aren't enough. No one cares. Like champ, champ, and Olympian. Like people just don't care. You know, people don't know who Henry Cejudo is. But Zane, you have your finger on the pulse of like how many clicks Bloody Elbow's getting throughout the night. Sure. Did this card get a lot of clicks? Uh, let me just check really quick our stats. Uh. Oh wait, we 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 may have we've re- just reset. I think it. I would be surprised if it didn't do okay. The problem with that kind of metric, though, is that, especially if people aren't watching, the fights, and like especially if people aren't watching a, a UFC pay per view, mm, they're clicking on the website. Actually, traffic really well then because people are ju- jumping in to look at and check for updates and see the results and all that kind of stuff. So. I mean, this is, I don't think we like blew up any kind of traffic record. And the traffic early in the evening was pretty dead, which is also a good sign that like it's not the event itself that's getting people thrilled. The, the first test of the UFC's move to ESPN Plus for pay per view and all that is going to be a John Jones. It's going to be John Jones versus Thiago Santos. Like everything else before that, even a, re- a really well booked card like this, we're not going to. We're not going to know what fans really think of the product move from that. So you guys will probably cover the ins and the outs of the the technique that was used in the main event and everything. Let's talk about the co-main event, though, where Valentina Bullet-Shevchenko hit Jessica I with a left round of the body like 17 times really, really hard and then was like, 
Check this out. Boop, goes right upstairs. You see Jessica eyes starting to drop the hands to protect the body, and she is out, and she was out for quite a long time. But I don't think going into the fight, we really thought that Jessica I was a legitimate contender. Eddie, are you impressed with the performance by Valentina Shevchenko defending the flyweight title? Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I had to. I had to. It was a bad night for eyes. It, it was. So, am I impressed? Are you kidding me? She was dominant everywhere. Like, everywhere. She took her down, held her down, and then she kicked her in the fucking head. <laughs> and, like, this is one of the most devastating head kick knockouts I've ever seen in women's MMA. Like, this is right there with Holly Holmes, a couple of her knockouts. Like, this was this was the best knockout at, at women's flyweight ever? Well, in the UFC, for sure, the division's super young, but yeah. Or ever. Yeah, especially, I mean, just in terms of, like, stakes and platform and... This yeah, it would huge. be hard to... It, I couldn't think... You, you would have to actually go and dig and, like look for a week to try to find a comp and it would be some weird like jmma fight from 2010 that nobody <laughs> saw yeah but i mean it really just you know shevchenko is just leaps and bounds above the competition like leaps and bounds like yeah. she just destroyed the number one guy guy number one uh contender the other gender eddie the other gender the number two other gender is like a, a one fight winning streak like she beat Calderwood and is like oh I want a title shot and like she's three and one in the division I get it that's cool and it's great and it's better than most but like that's it that's all we got like are we expecting anything different than kind of what we just saw you know what they need to do right now they gotta honestly I was thinking about it they just gotta Valentina Shevchenko, Jessica Andrade. Mm. Like, did, is anybody really that hyped about Tatiana Suarez after seeing her gas after two rounds to fight Andrade? Is that like the fight that we're all building towards right now? Mm. Andrade is a former bantamweight. Let her go up. Let her hit that 125 pound. I mean, like, what else are you going to do at 125 pounds other than throw Chukagian in and just go, ah, I guess that's fine. <laughs> yeah, hope yeah. for another hope for another body. It's either that or you push Shevchenko back up to feather or to Bantamweight to fight the whole Nunez winner. Yeah, n none of those are really great options, so that kind of sucks. I think, I think I'd go with your first option of Jessica Andrade versus Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, I don't hate it. I think it's yeah. – I would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see it. Um, my only hang-up with it is, like, Andrade dropped a strawweight for a reason. I don't want to see Shevchenko at Bantamweight. She dropped a flyweight for a reason. Like, But when Andrade dropped a strawweight, there was no flyweight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that all sounds pretty damn good. Let's get into uh, like a, a WTF or maybe a shining star of the card. Zane, you can go first if you've got one on your mind. Well, I mean, you know, Cerrone blowing his nose and blowing his eye out has got to be like way high on the WTF factor in there. I mean, 
it, that just sucks. I feel bad for him. It's a weird way to end the fight. It, like it really like that really got to Tony Ferguson because because of that late punch that hit Cerrone on the nose. You could just tell he was just like, oh fuck, this is like it was tearing him up inside. I feel bad for him because even Cerrone's like, no, it's not his fault. That punch had nothing to do with it. It's you know me fucking up and all that. But that's I mean. Yeah, that's got to be your what the fuck of the card. Everything else that happened in this card was solid, fine. Well, you got to – that and like we talked about earlier, how long Jessica I was out unconscious from that headache. Oh, yeah, for like five minutes. That was scary. She was down for a hot minute. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, her legs are twitching. And like they cut to like this artsy angle where you can like see the top of her legs kind of moving a little (laughs) bit. I'm like, you sons of bitches. Like, why use that moment to try to get all artsy? Either show it or don't show it. At least on the positive, Jessica, I won't remember, like, a thing about this. No, she woke up. Start preparing for Valentina Shevchenko all over again. She's like, I got knocked out? No, I didn't. It's like, no, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you were sleeping for a long time and creepily sleeping with her eyes wide open, too. So that was even more scary. I don't know why it seems more scary, but it... It does. Like major pain sleeping with the eyes nope. open? Nobody sleeps with their eyes open. That's super creepy. Yeah. That's just classic creepy thing. Mm-hmm. Awful. Anyway, I can let you guys get out of here past the time limit so you can get out of here do the six-round post-fight show. All right, man. Thank you for having us. Find me on Twitter at these anytime. Find Eddie over on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado, and we'll both be over on Bloody Elbow. We're going to jump into over, over and record the sixth round. That's going to drop tomorrow. So check that out over on Bloody Elbow Presents on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube. Spotify, all that good stuff. And Brian, thanks for having us and have fun with the rest of the show, man. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. Eddie Mercado's Positive Minute. What do you got for us this time, my dude? The Positive Minute, I am going to go with... How about Tony Ferguson overcoming some, uh, we'll say, mental adversity to even make it to this fight and... uh, and like overcome all that and still be on this crazy winning streak. Still like who who has who has done what he's done and like not the champion. Like it's insane. Like so shout out to Tony Ferguson. I had the chance to meet him back at uh, the UFC 178 weigh-ins in Vegas. And he hasn't lost since by the way, just for the record. <laughs> so I'm going to take a little bit of credit for Ferguson's uh, winning streak. But uh, good. I'm happy for him. It sucks how it happened with like the the late the blatantly late punch, and then the snot rocket to like eye bulge, and uh, and then he got booed. So it's like, man, the guy just can't catch a break. So some of it self inflicted, um, but like the dude can fight, and I'm glad he's back because he's so much fun to watch. Like consecutive spinning elbows, that was cool. Like that was definitely cool to watch. So I'm glad Tony Ferguson's back. That's my uh, that's my positive minute. For, for this event. I'll give you a little bit more of your own positive minute. Tiger Muay Thai. Looking mm. looking great out there, right? Well, yes and no. So earlier in the night we had some issues. There was the uh the debuting of Popov. It mm. didn't go so well. He got knocked out by Eddie Wineland. And then we had um who was it? Tai Tuivasa came up short in his war with Blagoy Ivanov. He didn't train a tiger for this camp, but he has been in there in the past. And then, uh, yeah, Peter Yawn, oh my goodness. Give him a title shot. Yeah, I said it. I'm down with that. 
he did excellent against Jimmy Rivera and uh, Shevchenko. That head kick, holy shit! Like mm-hmm. that was that was a. Uh, it sounded like a baseball bat connecting. Yeah, I was mostly thinking of Piotr Jan and Valentina the Bullet. So that, those are the only two I knew of. I'm like, oh fuck, Eddie's gonna be super pumped about that. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Good wins for them, and Peter Jan, man, less like a year, less than a year, he went from nobody to now possible title contender. Like that's super impressive. I like I want him to fight Aljamain Sterling, but then that would kill off one contender. So I just think they need to have a like, consecutive title shots. Those two guys. Yeah, but you forget who just won the title. Henry? Henry Henry Cejudo. He's not fighting either one of them. He just he called out Dominic Cruz, Faber, and uh, who else? Who's the third one? I don't. Well, uh, Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, but despite all of Henry Cejudo's like cringe and the weird things that he says, he does fight like the best of the best. So I think that he'd take those fights. He'd probably ask for more money though. But I don't know. So we're back to him not not taking the fight. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to give him the money, unfortunately. Anyway, it's late. I'll let you get to the sixth round. I don't want to keep you up all night, dude. Thanks a lot for being here. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. See you, buddy. Wendy Gungora, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Jack Attack, Rob Amon, Oz Ants didn't like the post-fight show and, and tootaloot it. I'm sorry, buddy. I wish we could have got to you sooner. So for the rest of the show, if you haven't been here before... I'm Flying Brian J, and I'm going to be using you guys in the live chat as my co-hosts as we recap the rest of this event. The first part, the guys with the sixth round. The second part, are you and I, all of you, and myself. June is here, and and we've got uh, the attendance six sixteen thousand and eighty three. The gate for two point like one million dollars almost. That's pretty awesome. And then she's got the post fight bonuses, which we'll get to in a second. First question to you guys is, what would you give the entire night of fights a post-fight rating? So not just the last three, which were really awesome. Not just the main card, but the entire night of fights. What post-fight rating would you give this card? Rob Amons with an 8 out of 10. The Real Dr. J, 8 out of 10. Oi Yeet Yeet says 6 out of 10. Wendy Gangora 8.5. John Wayne has been negative this whole time. I'm sorry you're having a difficult day, buddy. Hope it turns around for you. Thanks for being here, though. That's pretty cool. Jack Attack around a 7. Neil T 6.5. I'm with Neil T. Priam Alemian says the card gets an easy 8 out of 10 for me despite the decision fights. It was a great, entertaining night. <clears throat> Maybe I'll go like 7. Josh Sanchez is 9. Whoa. Rob's Butcher Block, Carolina Kovalkiewicz, and maybe Angela Hill. Let's start talking about uh, the main event. Well, let me let me explain why I'd give it like a 7.5. So there were a lot of fights that were not good, were not really that entertaining. Maybe not a lot, but Darren Stewart versus Bevon Lewis was one of the worst fights we've seen this year. It was terrible. So that knocks it down a freckle there. Caitlin Chukagian versus Joanne Calderwood wasn't the best. Um, and then I guess I kind of skipped Tatiana Suarez versus Nina Ansara if I was struggling with the stream. So just looking at it in the in the rearview mirror, it was pretty damn good. Sorry for cursing. I got to stop saying those words. 
Is the D word really a curse word? All right, I'll go eight and a half. Um, so now let's recap. Let's talk about the main event of the evening. Henry Cejudo, TKO punches at four minutes and 51 seconds of round number three. Marlon Moraes came out and was just leg kicking and, and kicking in general. Henry Cejudo, not to oblivion, but to a pretty solid one round. You know, he won the first round. In between round one and two, Cejudo's corner said, hey man, you are either backing away from his strikes or you're just, you're just standing at kicking range. When he throws, we need you to go at him. When he throws a kick, go toward him. Don't be going away from him. He listened to his corner and did exactly that. And and what I love about that situation is that in the post-fight interview, Joe Rogan was like, hey man, did you make any adjustments between round one and two? And he's like, no, I just saw it in his eyes, man. But the people who were watching the live stream, the live feed of the fights knew that the corner told him what to do, and he listened to it to a T. Amazing fight IQ adjustment on the fly by Henry Cejudo. And then he started moving forward and started landing his right hand over and over and over again on Marlon Marais. Uh, clinched knees to the face, clinched knees to the body. The, almost the very same knee style that Demetrius Johnson finished Cejudo with so long ago. Cejudo was implementing on the bigger fighter in Marlon Marais. And you could see that from the body shots, from the right hands landing over and over, Marlon Marais started slowing down right away. Because the first round, the speed advantage was clearly on the side of Mr. Clean, Magic Marlon Marais. But then once Cejudo picked it up, started getting to him, it was a very, very impressive uh, turnaround performance from Henry Cejudo. Sure, the post-fight interview where he said that he's the greatest combat athlete of all time was a little bit like, ah, uh, no, I don't think so. I think John Jones might have a beef with that. Daniel Cormier might question it. But amazing performance from Henry Cejudo, and I do think, as we talked about with the six-round post-fight show, guys, that the... Flyweight division is going to be gone. See you later, John Wayne. Have a good night. I'll be watching the, the post-fight press conference soon, soon as well. Priam Olemian, do you think... Who do I think gets a title shot first, Aljo or Piotr Jan? Uh, I want to wait to answer that question. Can you remind me soon, Priam? Rob Amon says he'd give Marais Piotr Jan because he's already knocked out Aljamain Sterling. Bayer NMN10 says, Who would Zahudu even fight at 145 pounds? He's so ambitious that I feel like he'd certainly try darn hard at least to get a 145 pound fight. Josh, Josh Sanchez says Henry versus whoever he wants. I think that it should be Cejudo versus Aljamain Sterling. That's just me. I think Sterling's been around longer, paid his dues, and, and since getting knocked out by Marlon Marais, Aljamain Sterling striking has been looking amazing. The fluidity with which he was throwing Okay, so that answers Priam's question. Sorry, Priam. Yeah, I would say Aljamain Sterling first. He's been around longer. He showed, he's shown more improvement. I know that 
Piotr Jan looked really good tonight against Jimmy Rivera. Um, changing from wrestling to uh, – I loved his jab cross and then wide left hook that dropped Rivera at the end of the first round. Uh, the uppercut that he dropped him with in the second round. The variety of strikes that he was throwing. The pace that he can put on people and everything like that. But he's been the same guy this whole time. And I would just give it to, to Aljamain Sterling. Also, I like the idea of Sterling versus – Sahudo because of Sterling's wrestling background and and the wrestling dynamic there with Sahudo and Sterling, of course. John Wayne says, look at the rankings and performance Sterling all day. Josh Sanchez, if Frankie wins, you got to do Sahudo versus Frankie. Frankie is really small. Marcus McGee, he says, Funkmaster it is. Sterling has great subs. Yeah, he had the he was tied for submission of the year last year with his um, inverted knee bar from, from like the back mounted knee bar it was delightful. So let's use let's use that to transition into Aljamain Sterling versus Pedro the Young Punisher Munoz. Let's talk about that fight. Uh, then we'll get into the co-main event and um, people's main event. Aljamain Sterling versus Pedro Munoz as the second-to-last fight on the prelims was a really fun fight to watch. I thought that up until that point, it was the fight of the night. Aljamain Sterling came out, and we know that he's got these 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 weird striking techniques. You know, he's got these, like, loose, kind of wide, looping kicks. But he put together a very dynamic style, a f- fluid, creative style of striking tonight that was just a true joy to watch i mean he would go from like a body jab to an upward elbow to a spinning back fist uh like a like a low kick to an overhand to a hook to the body and i thought for a while there that munoz is um like kind of meat and potatoes more fundamentally sound just rote striking you know jab cross type of stuff was going to get the better of sterling after a while because it was taking less energy for, than Sterling for throwing those looping kind of kind of more high volume, more energy consumption style of strikes. But no, Aljo, Aljo was still outlanding Munoz late in the second round. It was very impressive to watch. And I liked that we thought that maybe Aljo would need to get the fight to the ground. I, I don't know who thought that, but the, the commentator said that we thought that. So, But because of Pedro's defensive wrestling, accompanied with his offensive guillotine submission attempts. Aljo didn't go for that. I mean, he, he went for the legs a couple of times just to mix it up and kind of throw more information at Pedro's mind. But, the man, the creativity that Aljo showed out there and the composure. There was a stat that somebody posted. Aljo had eaten like 220 strikes in his last three or four fights, some shit like that. Excuse me, no cussing. Three or so fights. And in this fight, he he absorbed like 117. It showed that he's got some durability because Pedro hits pretty hard. But it also showed that he's he's so well-rounded that he can go into areas of mixed martial arts where he's not necessarily usually comfortable and shine against somebody who who ordinarily shines in that department. And that it was just a joy to watch. Aljo looks so good tonight. We do this every after every event, John. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, we do, Pilgrim. Uh, 
Jack Attack. Abs Jack Attack says Aljo looked absolutely on point, bell to bell. Ian Howell says, do you believe that Cejudo can become a three-division champion? No. No, I don't. He's, Gosh, he looked kind of small in there against Moraes. And yes, it was a, it allowed him to have better cardio, maybe. But at a certain point, the, the bigger fighter is just going to be too big and strong and too, too lengthy. I don't think he's going to be able to win a championship at 145 pounds. Yoda, the clover holder. Cejudo isn't beating anybody in the top 30 at featherweight. He's tiny. I don't know about maybe top 30, but I just don't think title. Where's Josh at? Where's your next comment, Josh? Did I miss you? Well, let's, uh, so we got, the, we got two bantamweight fights covered. I think we know what's next for the champion. I think we know what, or what we think should be next for the champion. What should be next for Aljo. Let's go to the women's flyweight division, Valentina Bulletshevchenko. I kind of covered the, there wasn't a lot of technique to be used, to, to be talked about in this fight. I mean, early on, Valentina got a body lock takedown, picked Jessica I up, put her down, got into side control. I think she was working for a far side arm triangle choke. She was moving her arm up, trying to dig her head into the armpit of I. That didn't work. I was able to scoot back to the fence, get her back on the fence, and stand back up. Uh, but yeah, straight away, like the first strike thrown was a left body kick to Jessica I from Valentina Shevchenko. Hurt her. And she said in the post-fight interview that, that she thinks that first kick broke her a little bit. So then she just kept doing it there. And she knew eventually she'd have to, to change up the target. And then so she went high. And when she went high with the left kick that ended up finishing it, I was already bringing her hands down because she started the, the, round, the round kick kind of momentum. Or engaging the round kick on the left side. So I started bringing her hands down. And it was a foot to the temple. It wasn't even a shin or a, a, a joint bone to the temple, it was a, a foot to the temple, knocked eye out, and she was out for a really long time. Gorgeous performance, Josh Sanchez says, the co-main event went exactly like it was supposed to, I had no business getting that shot. I thought it was gonna be a submission by Shevchenko, because of how easily she took eye down, and how easily like Misha Tate took eye down, but, Otto says, Against Holloway, pure size difference would make it for a bad fight. It could be Cejudo versus Frankie could win the title. I think that I think Max Holloway's gonna easily beat Frankie Edgar, so that, I don't even think that's worth talking about. But who knows? I picked Marlon Moraes tonight, so the real Dr. J says it's clear that Valentina Shevchenko is too elite for the flyweight division. There's not going to be anyone to beat her. Zane said that we could have her fight Jessica Bate Astaka Andraj, but Andraj just got the belt. Are we gonna and are we gonna send her for a a super fight straight away? I don't know about that. I think we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. That's that's not really set anything in stone right now. Or let's not make up our minds about what could be next for Valentina Shevchenko. Let's talk about the people's main event, Tony Elkukui Ferguson versus Donald the Cowboy Cerrone. Tony Ferguson threw a ton of stuff at Donald Cerrone. 
Uh, Rob Amon says Shevchenko versus Chukagian. I suppose. Book it, but like I'm not going to look forward to it. It could be a co-main event. That'd be fine. But if it was a main event, no thank you. Bayer 10 says that Dana announced Cowboy has an orbital fracture. I think that pretty clear. Marcus McGahey says Tony should wait for the winner of Habib versus Poirier. I think that's the that's the thing. I mean, they've booked Tony versus Habib a bunch of times. Like four times and it's never come together. That's a fight we need to see. We need to see Habib versus Tony Ferguson. So if for if uh, Habib beats Poirier at UFC 242 in Abu Dhabi, I think it's Abu Dhabi, right? You do Habib versus Tony. It needs to happen, as Jack Attack says. If Poirier wins, then then you do him versus Poirier. Josh Sanchez says that Ferguson murked Cowboy. Beautiful performance. He has to get the next title shot. Absolutely. Otto says that it's crazy how Tony's face is immune to damage. Cerrone hit him with some bombs in the first and not a mark. No one has made his face uglier since Eve Edwards made his nosebleed. R.C. Kim says, frankly, Tony looked better than he had any right to, given all of his issues. I'm not saying that word out loud, John. <clears throat> Let's just talk about some of the techniques used in Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone, if we can, if you guys are okay with it. I mean, Donald Cerrone tried to throw a lot of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of round kicks, but Ferguson just wasn't there to be hit by them. He he had his guard up. What Tony Ferguson was doing really well against Cowboy, and what he does really well all the time, is he switches stances constantly, just without even making any notice about it. So I was calling the fights live, trying to do the play-by-play on this YouTube channel during the main card. And so he would, so he'd throw a, a right straight, and as he throws the right straight, he tr- just like. Now all of a sudden he's in southpaw stance, and he throws a left straight. Now he's in orthodox stance, or he's jabbing with his left hand, uh, and he's got a shoulder square, and he's jabbing with both hands because like we don't know what stance he's in. And, he, and I'm I'm watching it from way the heck over here, and I don't know what stance he's in half the time. See you later, oi And so I'm not the best play-by-play guy there ever was. I don't train fighting right, but still, like I'm like shoot, which which was it a jab or was it a straight? It, uh, he was doing so much of that, and then on top of that, he's throwing spinning back elbows, spinning back fists, inside low kicks, like tons and tons and tons of teeps to the body, like nonstop teeps to the body. It uses it as like if someone's just pumping a jab constantly, he's just walking forward, just like front kicking to the body. My goodness, he overwhelmed Donald Cerrone's senses, he overwhelmed him with volume, and the, the commentators were saying, well, he's not throwing with that much power, but he landed like a hundred strikes in the first round on Donald Cerrone. My goodness. It was it was a masterclass performance. I almost think that it should have been called disqualification. I tweeted that and a lot of people hated it, so I retracted it, but hear me out. And and I want to say this just to get it off my chest a little bit, but I don't want it to detract against the masterclass performance that he put on against Donald Cerrone. At the end of the second round, he threw a right hand that landed right on the nose of Donald Cerrone. Cerrone's eye was already puffed up before that strike, and I was calling it out before that. 
But it was blatantly late, way after the bell that he landed that strike, and that if the fight would have gone on, I think it should have been a point deduction. And so if it would have been a point deduction and it cut, like the end of the fight happened at that point, I think it could have been a disqualification. But then you think about it and like, does it, did it matter? No. He was whooping the heck out of Donald Cerrone before that strike. So that strike did not influence the outcome. But it was a really jackalope thing to do from Tony Ferguson. And I'm interested. Oh, Marcus McGay says also Big Dan didn't separate them. I thought about this too live. Thank you for bringing that up, Marcus. Like, Dan was like, stop, 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 when the horn rang or whatever the thing went off so to signify the end of the round. Big Dan wasn't there to, like, touch them both. So he they hadn't been touched yet, so he threw the strike. And like RC Kim says, it wasn't that strike that broke his orbital bone. And it wouldn't be a no contest because a no contest would be from an accidental illegal strike. That was... That was like point deductive worthy. Anyway, about Big Dan, he because these guys were fighting at such a like Josh says, Ferguson was stringing his combinations together. It was just a natural motion. The 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 whole fight, even though Ferguson was tooling up Donald Cerrone, it was there was just so much action. I think they each threw. I, we could pull the stats up. They threw a whole bunch, a whole slew of strikes in the first two rounds, in in the entirety of the fight. And they were going and switching stances and being all over the place. That Big Dan like couldn't be like right next to them, or they'd run into him constantly. So at the end of the round, they're still going at the same pace they've been going the whole fight. He couldn't be right there to stop them, so he couldn't put hands on him right away or get in the middle so that he could block the strike or something like that. So okay, we'll give it a break. It did detract away from. how amazing of a performance Tony Ferguson put on, in my opinion. Priam says, I thought the result of the fight was perfect. Tony got to be there for the title shot for the 100th time while Cerrone didn't come out looking like a loser either. Yeah, Rob says the, the point is moot. It is a moot point, yeah. But I thought... It happened. It was a very significant thing that happened on the card, and it needed to be mentioned. Now, before we talk about anything else on the card, let's go over our post-fight bonuses. Remember, because we're not actually giving anybody any money at all, we're giving out five post-fight bonuses, a.k.a. $250,000, rather than the two hundred or four post-fight bonuses that the UFC gives out. Uh, I'm go June already told me the official ones, but I'm going to look them up again. Sorry, give me a second. Uh, sorry, sorry, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to waste time. Where are the official, oh, here we go. Okay, I got the official ones. Otto says Calvin Cater gets the extra bonus. Josh Sanchez says the bonuses go to Cejudo, Shevchenko, Ferguson, Aljo, and my girl, Alexa Grasso. Uh, 
Yoda, the clover holder, says Suhudo needs a bonus for sure. Okay, here are my bonuses. I think Fight of the Night was Algerm... Man, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of Aljamain Sterling versus Pedro Munoz getting a post-fight bonus because I loved that fight. And at the time, I felt like I needed a uh, back-and-forth kind of fun fight. I loved the striking of Aljo, so I... I kind of want to give them a post-fight bonus, but Cejudo definitely gets one. Valentina Bullet Shevchenko definitely gets one. I think Ferguson should get one. Donald, does Donald Cerrone need another post-fight bonus? I know that, that he got one, but I don't think he needs it. And then I would go with my other two to Aljamain Sterling versus Pedro Munoz. Rob Avon says Cejudo versus Marais was his fight of the night. Bayer says Aljo Munoz reminded me of Adesanya versus Gaslam stylistically. Kinda. Man, it, um, maybe. It was super fun. I loved it. I, I wouldn't give Fight of the Night to Cerrone versus Ferguson, in my opinion, because it was a really fun fight, and both guys got to show out, like Josh said, or like a few of you said. Ferguson put a whooping on him. Cerrone still showed that he's tough, and he showed a lot of his fun techniques that he has. Both guys got to do their stuff. But it was kind of one-way traffic. You know? It was Ferguson. It was Ferguson doing doing most of the work. So that's why I would do that. But I understand why giving those guys the post-fight bonus, it was really entertaining to watch. And my heart was racing. And the pace that they put, fine, it deserves it. I'm giving out six bonuses. Cejudo, Shevchenko, Ferguson Cerrone, and Aljamain Sterling versus Pedro Munoz. The official ones, of course, were Cejudo, Shevchenko, getting performance bonuses, and fight of the night to Tony Elkokui versus Donald the Cowboy. Alexa Grasso versus Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Let's cover that because, Josh, a lot of you are, are very happy about Grasso's performance. Priam Alemian says fight of the night to Tony Versaroni. Performances to Valentina Cejudo and Calvin Cater. Priam says, why do I hate Calvin Cater? I don't. It's just I liked other performances more. That was a really good time. We'll talk about Calvin Cater after we talk about Alexa Grasso versus Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Or Kovalkiewicz. Grasso looked stronger she looked more durable, and she was hitting a lot harder than Kovalkiewicz. And a lot of people thought that Kovalkiewicz, I'm changing up how I say her name each time, I guess, was going to win in the clinch. But every time they got into a clinch, the, the Demetrius Johnson versus Cejudo knees to the body, Grasso was landing them a lot. She kind of hunched over Kovalkiewicz and, and knees to the body at will, almost. It, like, there was not a lot of resistance coming from that moment. Or that um, scenario in the fight. Other than that, I didn't pay that much attention, but I knew that I, I loved the clinch work from Grasso. Uh, she had a lot of solid right hands, and Josh said she finally lived up to her potential. And I think Kovalkovich is on her way out. Rob says that she needs to go to Invicta. Perhaps that's a thing. 
So let's talk about Calvin Cater versus Ricardo Lamas. What was the strike that finished it? Was it a, a th- he? Okay, I remember. I can see it in my mind. It was a, a fun fight while it lasted. Calvin Cater got the knockout over Ricardo Lamas at 4:06 of round number one. Cater was just too long for Ricardo. His boxing too fundamental. His his punches too straight, and Ricardo couldn't get in tight on him. The strike that ended it was uh, a feint with a jab to right straight to left hook, I believe. Is that right? I believe that's right. No, it was a feint jab or a feint right lead left hook to right straight. It was the right straight that connected on the jaw below the ear on Ricardo Lamas. Yeah, left hook to right straight. Thank you, Flash Jackson at Gmail. Left hook to right straight, sent Ricardo to the canvas. I think he finished it with some, a little bit of ground and pound. Delightful performance from Calvin Cater. If uh, you're not a long striker similar to a long uh, Hinato Moicano, that type of thing, the guy's fundamental boxing straight shots are going to be a trouble for a lot of people. And it was a really, really impressive performance from Calvin Cater. I understand if you wanted to get give him a post-fight bonus. Josh Sanchez says that he's another guy on his way out. He's now got knocked out by two, like, not very well-known prospects. Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater. Ooh, Matt Bradbury says, what do you think should be next for Cerrone? I think he should fight Justin Gaethje. And Barboza fights Iaquinta. I don't know. It sounds like he's got an orbital fracture that might take a long time to recover from. So let's just say what's next for him is some time off with his son, Danger, and his uh, girlfriend, wife, or whatever. Rob Amos says, Cater versus Moicano zombie winner should be next. Love it. Book it. Like it a lot. Let's do that. I think that... um, Neil T says Lama started to look really tentative at one point, started biting every feint from Cater. Cater was doing a lot of shoulder fainting. Great stuff from him. It was really, really fun to watch. Delightful, even. Overall, a good card. I like it a lot. I like talking to you guys a lot. I'm just being positive right now. I'm saying things over and over, but I think that we're going to get out of here for this week. 47 minutes into the show. The, the Shri overlords asked me for a half an hour and they didn't want me to do a whole lot more which I don't understand why <laughs> Neil but yeah let's get out of here for this week follow me on Twitter at FlyingBrianJ follow me on Facebook at FlyingBrianShow um, you can send a message on YouTube right Preem send me messages on YouTube I'm at uh, youtube.com forward slash FlyingBrianJ and you can send me messages there too um Anybody, not just Priam. You can all find me there. Send me messages. I'll chat if I see him and whatnot. Thanks so much for being here. Please give the video a thumbs up. I need there to be a positive thumbs up to thumb down ratio. Otherwise, maybe they won't let me do the post-fight show anymore and they'll give it to somebody else. So thumb the video up if you're here watching live. I appreciate you so much. And we'll see you not next week because next week is Father's Day weekend and there's not a fight card there. I'm going to drink a lot of beer.
and uh, grill some food up. But we will be back on June 22nd for UFC Fight Night 154 or UFC on ESPN Plus 12. Main event, Hinato Moikano versus Chan Sung Jung. Co-main event, John Lineker versus Rob Font. Couple of decent fights. This should be a fun post-fight show to do. I appreciate you guys so much for the positive comments. Happy Father's Day to every one of you guys that has children. I appreciate you for saying Happy Father's Day to me. My first. Yay. All right, guys. I'm out. See you later. Peace. Namaste.